you're watching us from home or wherever you are, we want to say welcome to the Redemption Contemporary Service. And I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, hope you're having a great season. What? What is that? It's not Christmas? Oh, I'm told it's not Christmas. It's what? Haitian Mother's Day. Oh, uh, I apologize for that. It's Haitian Mother's Day. You see, if you're Haitian in America and you're a mother, you don't get one celebration. You get two celebrations. And you know what? It's because you deserve it. And because mothers are a gift from God. Amen. If you believe mothers are a gift from God, say amen. But how many people wish we could go back to Christmas, right, and, and New Year's and rewind and reboot and redo this year? I mean, 2020 came, and 2020, man, that, that is a year. That is a year that is having an impact. I don't know what kind of impact. That year started with Kobe, and then we went to COVID, and now we're in chaos. I mean, that is a year. That is a tremendous year so far in terms of the hardship that we have to go through. And I want to tell you, if your mother is still with you today, hug her a little tighter than before. If your mother is away, let her know that you appreciate her, that you love her, that she means a lot to you. Because in these times, those relationships, we cannot take them for granted. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in Luke, Luke chapter 1. And, and, and this is a special, a very special time, uh, not necessarily in the positive sense, but we just went through, or we're going through the worst pandemic of our lives. The last time that you had a pandemic like this was in 1917, 1918, uh, more than 100 years ago. And now we're getting out of that pandemic. We're getting out of that situation where businesses are starting to open up, uh, states and counties are starting to open up, and then boom, chaos and corruption hits us to a way that we never intended. But I want to tell you this morning that it is time for you to be open for God's business. It is time for you to be open to what God is doing on this earth and to be part of God's movement. And we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And this is a, a, a well-known Christmas story, right? And so it's a passage that you would uh, usually use around the Christmas time. But I believe that it, it holds some deep truths for us that are very relevant for us today. Um, so please read with me. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. 
even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to, to be unable to conceive in her sixth, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we find ourselves in Nazareth. Nazareth is a small town. And actually, Nazareth is really what we would call nowadays the boondocks. It is a remote. There's probably at most 500 people who live in that town. It's a very small town. It's a very small community. And, um, and the angel of God comes into that town. How many people know that when God is about to make a move, he doesn't make a move sometimes in a splash. He finds the most dire circumstance. He finds the most remote location to do his greatest move. Back then, the, the big city was Rome. He could have chosen Rome, but he said, hmm, if I send my son in Rome, the Romans are going to take the glory. Okay, maybe you can send him to Alexandria in Egypt, a very prominent city. Uh, and they said, no, but if I do that, the Egyptians are going to take the glory. Okay, then send them to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of kings. You could send him in Jerusalem, and, and, and that's where he will rule. But then Jerusalem will get the glory. No, I'm going to send him in a, in a place that there's no chance that they get the glory. And you would remember when Nathaniel was told, oh, we found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. What did he say? He said, huh, can anything good come from Nazareth? And, and the reason he said that was not to be disrespectful to Nazareth is because Nazareth was so small. Nazareth was so in, insignificant. But God can take the things that are insignificant in this world and flip them around. And now Nazareth is the place of the biggest revelation to ever happen on this earth. The coming of the Messiah. The coming of Jesus Christ the Savior. And he chooses a young lady that is from an unknown family in an unknown town, and, and, and he chooses her to carry the word. And it's very like God, because when God, if we go back to the old days, when God wanted to give the people of God the promised land, he chose an elderly man and said, okay, you know what, you guys are going to go conquer the, 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 the promised land, and the first city is the city of Jericho. Okay, how are we going to defeat Jericho? Are we sending the Navy SEALs? He said, no, you're not sending the Navy SEAL. I want you to send the priests. What? You mean you want me to send the soldiers? He said, no, I want you to send the singers. What? No, no, I don't understand, God. You mean the war? to wear the fight. No, I don't want you to send the warriors. I want you to send the worshipers because when they lift their voice up, I'm going to tear those walls down. And then they went in and they circled that city. And on the seventh time, they, on seventh day, what did they do? They shouted and the walls came crumbling down. God can use the, the worship team to bring a victory. Imagine we would have went to Iraq and we would have sent Israel Hutton or Fred Hammond to go wage the war. But in God's economy, that's the people that win the victory. He can take uh, the smallest guy in the smallest family, in the smallest tribe of Israel, and say, you are a mighty warrior and I'm going to use you to go and defeat the oppressor. And he said, okay, uh, I'm going to put together an army and I got 30,000 men and we're ready to go and we're ready to fight and we're ready. He said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. You got too many people. I cannot help you. What do you mean? 30,000 is too much? I mean, they got more than that, but that's okay, but you got me, so I need you to, to, to remove. If you go with 30,000, you're going to take the glory, so I can't have you take the glory, so I need you to go more. Okay, okay, God, we're going to send away 27,000. Leave me with 3,000. He said, no, 3,000 is still too much. 
Okay, okay. So then he sends away the rest, and there are 300. And with 300 men, they defeat the oppressor, they defeat the army, because God can take what is little and give you a big victory. He, he, he takes the, the, the eighth son of a family in the backwoods of Bethlehem, and he says, okay, you know what? It's not going to be the first son. It's not going to be the second son. It's not even going to be number six, five, four, three. It's going to be number eight. And the father's like, number eight? I have, he says, calls to his wife and say, honey, we have an eighth kid? Yeah, yeah, remember I gave birth a few years. Oh, you did? Oh, what's his name again? Oh, his name is David. All right, go find him. And then that's who is going to become the king. And when David gets on the scene, he has to defeat a giant. So God doesn't use the soldiers. He doesn't use Saul. He doesn't he use a little shepherd's boy that is so small that he cannot even wear an armor. He cannot wear an armor. He cannot yield a sword. But thanks to God, he can throw a rock. And a rock in God's hand can defeat a giant. And so I don't know where you are today, how low you think out of spot that you are, how low, how bad you think this situation is right now in America. But I can tell you that God can make a miracle with a rock if you would just be available. Now I know like, so the passage says, you're highly favored. And that's a, a saying that we hear all the time. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed. And, and, and we mean by that, that God is provided for me health. I'm healthy. God has provided for me wealth. I'm wealthy. So I'm good. I got a, a nice house and I got a nice bed and I'm rolling and, and, and I'm blessed and highly favored. And, and, and that means I am comfortable. I am comfortable. I am able to be comfortable. And we know that you are able to be, to have comfort. But my question for you this morning is, are you available? Are you able to be availed of by God? Are you able to be used by God for his kingdom? And Mary was made, she made herself available. To God. And, and now she, she wasn't without question. She wasn't without, she was, she, was a, she was very afraid because understand what the angel was, well, number one, she's a, she's a little girl. She's not, she's not like 30 years old. She, she's a young lady and, and in a little town and she gets the visit of an angel. Now it's not any angel, right? She doesn't get Uriel. You know angel Uriel? No, you don't. Precisely the point. That's a nobody angel. She gets Gabriel. Gabriel, in verse 19 of that same passage, told somebody else, he said, I stand in the presence of God. So meaning he's not just one of them angels. In a, he stands. God is there, and he stands in the presence of God. It's like if this was a, 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 a government, he would be right there with the president, or he would be right there with the prime minister. He stands in the presence of God, and that's who she gets. And it says that she was greatly troubled. Now, greatly troubled, let me translate what that means for you. Greatly troubled means she was freaking out. She was losing her mind. She was like, she was um, acutely distressed. She was freaking out at the sight of an angel. Not just any angel, that's Gabriel that God sent to talk to her. And she's freaking out. And she's afraid. And he said, she wondered. But the word wonder, like we, we, we hear that and we think, oh, I wonder how the temperature. No, no. That means she was confused. She couldn't know what to do. She didn't know how to take this. And, and, and sometimes in our lives we go through situations and we're confused and we're, we're distressed. We're, 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 we're rough. We're, it's tough. And we're not, we don't know how to take those situations. But the angel told her, don't be afraid. And I want to tell you this morning, don't be afraid. 
God is in control. Don't be afraid. I know it's tough. I know we, I, I hate. Who here, January 1st, when we're all celebrating in the church, thought that in the month of May, this is where we would be? We're about to be in June. I mean, this has been going on for like six months. And Kobe, boom, and then, and then COVID, boom, and now chaos, and there's no end inside of that chaos. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then Mary asks, it says, how will this be? Because, you know, I don't roll like that. I'm a virgin. So I know you're not going to ask me to do something that goes against your word. So how will this be? And God lets her know, you're going, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of God will overshadow you. And this morning I want to tell you to be open for the Holy Spirit of God. To be open for the move of God in your life. And I feel as Christians sometimes we deprive ourselves from the blessings of God because we're afraid to be considered whether like the crooks or the cuckoos, right? The crooks are the people that, that pretend that they have a miracle for you, but you have to sow a seed. You have to give me money, so you have to help me get my private jet so that you can get your blessing, right? And then so I can't pay my car, but I'm going to help you get your private jet. Or the cuckoos that say, oh, you know what? God told, spoke, spoke to me, and he told me to jump off a bridge. What? No. But God promises that he will send his Holy Spirit, and that his power, his presence will guide his people, and he will, he will tell us what to say. He will guide us, and he will do miracles with his people. And, 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 and as a body of Christ, we're called to do what the things that Christ did. What did Christ do? Christ healed the sick. Christ fed the hungry, Christ. So we have to care for other people with the power of God. So are you open to the Holy Spirit? Are you open to God's move? And what, God, what the angel let Mary know is that she would not be alone. The power of the Holy Spirit would be with her. The, 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 the presence of God would be with her. And, and a lot of times we find ourselves in a crossroads and we rely on our own strength. We rely on our own understanding. We rely on our own power and then we fail. And, and, and I think this right now what we're going through is a humbling lesson from God. It's a humbling lesson. And I'm not saying God is here doing this or that, but we are humbled. We are humbled because the most mighty nation in the world, right now we're grappling. Right now we're suffering. Right now it's tough. There's no two ways that you can slice it. This COVID, that was a hit. That was a bad hit. But now this chaos that we're seeing, that nonsensical actions that we're seeing, Right where we were seeing brighter, brighter days. There's a passage in, in Joel chapter 1 that says, What the locusts didn't eat, the grand locusts ate. What the grand locusts didn't eat, the young locusts ate. It's like you have one problem, and when that, that problem didn't finish you off, that other problem comes. And when that other problem comes, and that didn't, that uh, another problem comes, and it's on top, on top, on top, on top. But I want to tell you this morning that you have access to the power of God. You have access to the power of God to make a decision. But are you open to the Holy Spirit? Are you open to the presence of God? And then God also made sure that she was not going to be alone. She also, now you understand that if you're a young lady and you're pregnant out of wedlock, and in our society it's an issue, so imagine back then, 
Imagine back then, young lady pregnant, and, and if, if you don't have a man, you can't work, so you can't even feed. So she would be a, a single mother without any income, and it, and it was going to be very hard for her in, in that context. And you remember the adulterous woman, what, did, what was going to happen to her? They were going to stone her, so she could be very well be stoned. But God provided. If you jump with me in Matthew, and we see that God was going to make sure that she was not going to be alone. It says, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 24, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary to home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name, the most beautiful name of all, the name of Jesus. And Mary, so she was found, and you can imagine how she felt. And if we had time, you would see when she got the word, she didn't go to Joseph right away. She went to her cousin, right, Elizabeth, that was also pregnant, that could relate to what her situation was. But while she was taking care of that, God was taking care of her and making sure that Joseph would also be on board and so that they together could, 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 could raise the holy child. And, and, and we see in Joseph a man that, that loves God, but we see in Joseph a man that... That is a man of the word, but he's also a man of compassion. You see how he says, before he knew that it was from God. So imagine, you're about to get married, and and your your lady comes, and she's pregnant. You can imagine how the anger, the frustration that that Joseph might have felt, the betrayal that he must have felt, the the, uh, kind of like some of the emotions that we feel now, where, where we see somebody getting killed in the street, and we feel angry. But you notice how he doesn't use his anger to do wrong. He could have said, look what she did. Look what she did. And they would have stoned her in the public spot. But he said, you know what? Even though you betrayed me, I'm going to look out for your best interest. And I I can't roll with that, but I'm not going to disgrace you. And he was going to let her go on the low. He was going to keep it quiet. Because even though he was betrayed, he didn't want to hurt her. And he's somebody that put her interest above his own. And then when the Holy Spirit, when the the angel came and told him, now Joseph did what the angel said, but he took a child, the the responsibility to raise a child that wasn't his own because it was God sent. And, and, And my question for you is, are you open to serve others? You see, where Joseph was open, not only for his own interest, he was open to help somebody else. He was, he was open to take care of somebody else's baby. And some people here, you might not have a project of your own. You might not have an idea of your own. But maybe God puts in your heart to come and serve alongside somebody else, to come and help somebody else in need and, and, and raise their 
baby, so to speak, to raise somebody else's baby, to, to raise a project, to raise a ministry, to bring your resources to a ministry to help somebody else. And somebody that sometimes cannot give it back to you. You know, when you look at those tragedies that, like, like we're going through, you always see the worst of men, but you always see the best of men. You see some people that are outraged about what's going on, but you see also, and you see some people that use that outrage to do wrong, but you see people that come and that help. And you see, like, now we're in that situation with, with the riots and everything, and I want to tell you, it is sad that in a society where we live, somebody can be murdered in broad daylight. It is sad. It is, is, is sad. And it's hard to understand. And I personally feel like there's probably got to be something uh, more to it. I don't know if somebody was demon-possessed or whatever the case was. But you know what is worse in a sense, it's not worse, but it's bad, is if you look at the video, right? Uh, and don't look at the video, in a sense, it's very hard to watch, but what you will see, you will see a bunch of police officers on one man, and one with his knee on the neck, but then you will see somebody, another cop, that is standing and he's just watching. And I, I'm like to myself, if that guy would just at any point intervened, if he would just have done something and tell his homie, okay, you've done enough. Okay, that's enough. Okay, stop. Okay, 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 you got him. And stopped it, he would have saved the man that was murdered. He would have saved the murderer because God is going to give him justice one way or the other, whether man does it or God does it, but he's going to get justice. And he would have saved the others, but then he would have saved this country, the trauma that is going through now. But because he stayed doing nothing, all hell is breaking loose. But how many times we're faced with situations that are wrong, but instead of acting, we say, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. It's not my issue. And we don't get involved. And we don't put the hand to work to do good, to, to stop wrong and, and to act. And, and, and you know what's kind of encouraging is that you see the, the protests, in a sense, it, it's part of it is encouraging and part of it is discouraging. The people that are rising up and say, this is wrong, that is encouraging because it is wrong. God does not suffer the innocent's blood to be spilled. And like he says about Abel, the blood of Abel is crying to God. And I believe the, 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 the blood of George Floyd is crying to God because that was not, he didn't deserve that. It is crying to God for justice. And the people that are outraged, and they're outraged from all different levels of life. My wife was showing me a picture today of Amish people protesting against it. Amish, like if you know the Amish, the Amish are more very, very conservative. They don't really roll with technology. They have, they're the, they, they, they ride in their carriages and they're very secluded. But even them are like, we cannot tolerate to live in a land where an injustice like this happens. And even them are coming out and saying, no, this is wrong. But while you have people crying against the injustice, you also have people taking advantage of the injustice to just go and steal booze. And that is not of God. That is not of God. The Bible says the soul that sins is the soul that would pay. You do not take 
an innocent man's business and tear it to the ground and claim it's for God or claim it's for a good cause. It's not for a good cause. It's just because you cannot control your anger or it's just because you're taking advantage of the situation. But how many times when we're angry, we let our anger do wrong. We let our anger get the best of us and, and, and do wrong. But what we need right now is, if we feel angry, is to galvanize that anger to do good. It's to galvanize that anger to bring justice, to bring good. And, and, and that is true for the household. It is true for the work. Uh, force. It is true in the street. It is true everywhere. The Bible says if you get angry, do not sin. You can't get angry, but you have to use that anger to bring about good. And you see it. Harriet, in our history, Harriet Tubman, she wasn't happy, so what did she do? She found a way to, to, to freedom, but then she went back and brought other people to freedom. Martin Luther King, the situation was wrong. It was injustice. So what did he do? He rose up and rose up with that generation. And what, they, and what he did, it culminated on the high of a dream. And he appealed to the greater, the greater principles of this country, but he did not tear it down. He did not tear, tear the society down, but rather he spoke truth to power with integrity. So though there was anger, he did not lose his integrity in this fight for justice. And this morning, I'm going to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of being comfortable and to be available to serve somebody else, somebody else in need. And you know what happens the day after the riots? People show up with brooms and, 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 and stuff and, and detergent, and they say, Come, I will help you clean up your business that people destroyed, that you had nothing to do. And they become available to do good to, to, to in, that, in that situation. To somebody, imagine, you just went through COVID, right? And you're starting to sort of reopen and they burn your business down. Is that right? That's not right. There's anger. The anger is right. But the medium to express that anger could be right or it could be wrong. And before God, it has to be right. It has to be right. So you're right to be angry. I'm angry. I'm angry. But we have to galvanize our anger to do good, to help the elderly, to help the, 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 the widow and the orphans, the, the children. And it's funny because I read about George Floyd, and he was, apparently he was a believer. He had... He had uh, some trouble in his past, and he put his, his, his life on the right path. And one of his concerns was really the next generation and, and how the next generation is, might be going the wrong way. And, and he has a post on YouTube where he says, man, one day is going to be you and God, whether you're going up or you're going down. So put your life right. Put your life straight. And I think we, we're good to heed that advice. We we'll understand that one day we will be before God. Are we going up or are you going down? So be open for the Holy Spirit. Be open to serve others. And, and, and we see it in Joseph's life where he was able to be there for Mary. And he was able to carry the burden with her and carry the burden and, and raise Jesus as himself. But we also see it in Jesus Christ himself. If we go back to Luke and we jump to chapter 2, there's a very interesting a passage where Jesus finds himself in the temple. So he's 12 years old, and they, they, they went on the pilgrimage to the temple, and then 
It's a lot of people, their parents leave. Now, if you ever been at the mall and you lost your child, you can imagine. So after a while, they're, um, they realize, you have Jesus? No, I don't have Jesus. You have Jesus? No, I don't have Jesus. Oh, snap, they left the boy back in Jerusalem, and they go back, and they search for him for three days. They search for him for three days, and then they find him where? They find him in the temple, and they find him in the temple, and they say, what have you done? What have you done that to me? Why are you not with us? And here's what Jesus says. It says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And we see Jesus at 12 years old already concerned about what is God's business for his life? What is his God's purpose for his life? And he finds himself in, in the temple at 12 years old. And he's putting the big high priests and, the, uh, and the, 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 the scholars and the scribes and all of those big headshots. And putting them to their knees because of his knowledge and his wisdom at 12 years old. At 12 years old. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that age, age is just a number. You know what age is good for? Age is only good for one thing. Age is good to get discounts. That's the only thing that age is good for, is to get discounts. Meaning if you're under 12 and you go to a park, maybe you pay lower. If you're over 65 and you go to a restaurant, maybe you pay lower. But other than that, in God's economy, age is just a number, which means what? You're never too young to serve God and you're never too old to serve God. You see God working through Jesus at 12 years old. You see God working with Moses until he's 120 years old. God can use anyone at any age. When Joshua went into the promised land to fight, he was 80 years old. Caleb was 80 years old. He says, hey, I'm 80, but I'm as strong as if I was 40, so give me my mother because I'm ready to fight. And my question for you, I don't care how old you are. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready? You see our country is going down. Are you ready to rise up and fight for the soul of this country? And it's not going to be done by politicians. It's not going to be done by, by, by looters. It's going to be done by the people of God on their knees and on their hands working for the kingdom of God. And it's going to be done by you. You can't wait for nobody else. You can't wait. We all have a sphere of influence where we can do a positive change. How are you impacting your sphere of influence for good? It's funny because I was watching the, um, the news and they were saying, when they were start seeing the looting and all that, they were saying, you know what? We wish the old guard of the civil rights movement that did it the right way would mentor the new guard so that they also could do it the right way. And, and, but it, it, it's kind of like in Christian faith where the older generation needs to mentor the younger generation, which needs to mentor the generation after that so that we can be disciples of Christ and have an impact on our society. If there's ever been a time where the word of God is needed, where the, the word of God in action is needed, is now. If there's ever been a time where the hope of God is needed, it's now. And my question for you is, are you open to self-sacrifice? Are you able to sacrifice yourself? You know, serving God is going to cost you something. Salvation is free, but working for God is going to cost you something. And we see Jesus says, I'm here for my father's business. What was Jesus' father's business? He said, I came 
so that my sheep might have life in abundance. I came so that to save the lost, and I came, I came to die. Jesus is one that, that is born, but he's born to die. From, from the beginning, that was always, so when they're trying to stop him, no, no, you're not going to die. Why, what do you mean I'm not going to die? This is, get behind me, Satan. This is why I came. I came to die so that y'all can be saved. He came to sacrifice himself so that we could have abundant life, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have our sins forgiven and access to the presence of God. He came to sacrifice himself. So imagine you put yourself in Mary's shoe. The toughest thing that a parent has to go through is to lose a child. That's the toughest thing as a parent that you have to go through is to lose a child. So imagine Mary, she gave birth to a child that she knew was going to die. In, in Luke chapter 2, it's still, there's a spot where they go to the temple uh, when Jesus is, is, is eight years old. And, and Simeon, the, 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 the one performing the circumcision, says, you know what? God has promised me that I will see his salvation. I will see the Messiah. And he says, he says, so that chapter 2, verse 30, 34. It says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against yes a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed a sword will pierce through your own soul and you know when 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 they when they took Jesus, they insulted, they attacked him, they hurt Mary. When, when they took Jesus and, and they, they spit in his face, it's like they were spitting in Mary's face. When they crucified on the cross, she was crying. And when they pierced his side, they pierced her soul. And you can imagine as a mother what, what that must have meant for her. And the toughest thing, the toughest thing is not only for it to lose your child, but to see it happen. To see it, right? So you can't imagine what, what, what that must have meant. But that sacrifice, she took it in a sense so that we could be saved. Are you able to sacrifice yourself so that somebody else can be saved? For somebody, for the word of God to go and help somebody else, sacrifice your time, sacrifice your funds, sacrifice your, 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 your peace in a sense to be concerned with what's going on in this country and act to have an impact. Act to have an impact. And so this morning, I'm going to challenge you to open yourself to the Holy Spirit of God because I believe in the time of pain, in the time of sorrow, that's when God is doing his greatest move. When you expect it the most, that's when God shows up. And so you need, he needs his people to be open for the Spirit of God to be at work and be open to serve somebody else and be open to self-sacrifice. Open your heart to God's presence. Open your God, and I'm, we're going to close in worship, and I'm going to ask worship team to come. And But I'm going to challenge you at home to stop what you're doing and ask yourself, God, how can I serve you? Say, so God, I'm available to you. I'm ready, God. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I don't know what that is, God, but I'm ready. I don't know how you're going to use me, God, but I humble myself so that you can speak. I humble myself so that you can let me know, God, how I can I have an impact on this world? How can I make a difference in my community? How can I make a difference in my family? How can I make a difference in my country? Humble yourself. Let's humble ourselves this morning before God and ask God, I'm open. God, I'm ready. How are you going to use me? How do you want to use me? What can I do? And then act to have an impact. 
Let us pray. Father God, we come before you with our hearts are torn when we see our country being torn apart, when we see our countrymen, God, hurting, and when we see a family that is hurting to a senseless crime, God, and we come and we plead before you, God. We plead before you for the blood of the innocent that was spilled, that is, and, and that's the blood that we know, and we plead for the blood that we don't know, God. And we pray, God, that your, your grace and your mercy might flow, that your spirit might flow like a mighty river in this country, God, and that you said revival, that, that you said revival, because there's something definitely wrong with this country, God, but we need you. We need your presence. We need your Holy Spirit, God, and we pray, God, and we beg of you, God, that you send the river, that you send the river of your presence, the river of peace, and, and that you bring, and that you bring all, all mountains that are ele elevated, that you bring them down, that you elevate the valley, that you make them straight, the path, so that your word may come forward, God, and that you may bring healing in this land, that you might bring peace in this land, that you might bring the better days in this land, that the days to come might be better than the days past. And we humble and come before you because we know that the solution is not in Washington, D.C. It's not in Tallahassee, but it's at your feet. It's at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's where we come, God, for your presence and your blessing. In Jesus' name.